I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast that explores the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. We sped through that. I did it this time. Wow. I reworded it. You did reword it. You said that. That explores the world. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. How did you say it last time? This is a podcast. That explores the world. This is a podcast which explores the world. This is a podcast henceforth exploring the world. Okay, whatever. I I, I can't. My brain doesn't work like this right now. I have had like half a sandwich today and like Girl. one and a half. Anyway. Okay. okay so today we're going to be talking about crazy, hysterical women and why that is such a harmful term that right. is used. So we are on week three of Women's History Month. We are. So we kind of wanted to dive into something uh, a little different as far as like the history of women go. You might mm-hmm. be thinking like, why are we considering maybe the etymology behind hysteria um, hysterical or because crazy. It's, it's inherently female. To be part of Women's History Month. And it is because the history behind those words um, and how they've been attached and gendered throughout history is something that um, really needs to be discussed and it talked does. about. It does. So <clears throat> I got a lot of information from the article I sent you, the mm-hmm, 30. The 30. 
And they say the word crazy in its earliest meaning comes from the 1570s when it meant diseased or sickly. A decade later, it was used to describe something full of cracks or flaws. Mm -hmm. By the 1610s, it evolved to apply to a person of unsound mind or behaving as so. And in the 1920s, jazz culture kind of tried to reclaim that word a little bit by making it seem, like, cool and exciting. I mean, it's even crazy. Even if you look up crazy in the dictionary right now, the very first, so it does have several meanings, right? Like, we're crazy about this, or, you know, there's a lot of meanings now. Context is important. Um, Context is very important. However, the very first definition of crazy, even now in the dictionary, is mentally deranged, especially as manifested in a wide wild or aggressive way. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of talk about I'll, I'll talk about personal experience a little bit. Have you ever been called crazy by maybe someone you're dating? Yes. In, I, in, in a negative way. Yes. Yeah. I have two instances that really jump out to me. First was kind of a more long-term thing because I was a person who was in inpatient treatment and dating somebody who was not a very good person. Um, I feel like I was manipulated a lot by being mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. Um, into kind of and, and being gaslit, which we're going to talk about, into believing a lot of things that um, I did or didn't say or did or didn't do. And um, he would use that as a crutch for me and then me and myself by me being crazy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing about crazy, because women are far more likely to be called crazy or crazy bitches or yeah. what have you when they are not adhering to standard gender roles. Yeah. When we are not adhering to assigned gender roles and acting out or even being just emotional, we are likely to be called crazy. Right. And that's the thing is that if I were to speak my mind, it would be because of... He would use crazy as saying, oh, because you've gone through these things, like, you're, what you have to say is invalid. He would, in fact, also say a lot, like, did Keegan tell you to say this? Like, he would say that Well, he was highly manipulative. I know right. who you're talking about. And he yeah. was very manipulative. He was very gaslighty. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. And then my other instance is that, so I dated this guy who I think I've talked about this on the show a couple of times, where he was like, like, I lost my virginity to my boyfriend in high school, and he was kind of the first guy to, like, get me to sleep with him in California and, like, the adult world, and then just, like, dropped me immediately. And I I did lose my shit. Like, I was really pissed. I was on Twitter, like, fuck this guy. You know what I mean? But I... He... He reacted to it really poorly, and then years later contacted me and told me... No thanks, by the way. No fucking thanks. You don't need to contact me. Even if it was with an apology, you don't need to fucking contact me. No, and he he just wanted to, like, catch up with me. No. And then... and I was like, I had just left that other guy. And I'm like, eh, like whatever, I'll just have a conversation with him. And then he was like, yeah, you were really fucking crazy. And I'm like, uh, no, bye. And then, like, two years after that, he tried to add me on Snapchat. Fucking why? I know. I'm like, let why it are, go, bro. Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> I don't get it. And I was crazy because I was having an emotional reaction to being hurt. Which is something that we will... You know what? I was going to say it's something we'll talk about later, but why not? Why don't we just talk about yeah. it right now? So, let's talk about the correlation between, you know, being labeled as crazy and being gaslit. Yeah. So, being gaslit is a form of emotional manipulation that tricks women 
in particular, but people in general, there is no gender behind being gaslit. Men yeah. can be gaslit as well, but I feel like it, it's far more common uh, of a thing to happen with women. And it tricks women into believing that their emotions are invalid. So if you are acting in an emotional way, um, you're often deemed to be overreacting right. or you're being over-emotional. Right. And the thing about that is... The thing about that is when you're being gaslit, it can make you actually feel crazy. Yes. And I actually found out that the term behind um, the word gaslighting or the term gaslit comes uh-huh. from a movie with Kathleen, Catherine Hepburn. And I can't remember if it was called Gaslight um, or it was called something like that. And the movie was basically this woman whose husband would go and he would turn the gaslights in their house down oh. every day and so she would tell him like i feel like the lights are dim or and he'd whatever be like, no and he would tell her that she's crazy like no no the lights aren't dim even though he knew all along that he was doing it yeah. and so by the end of the movie she actually feels crazy right well and that's the thing is that it then calling a woman crazy and gaslighting them invalidates their beliefs and then their opinion is up for debate because this person is saying they're crazy so like let's say i thought of a Lorena Bobbitt right away when I right. was reading a lot about a lot of this. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of crazy narrative around her. And because that narrative was being carried, whatever she had to say wasn't valid. It wasn't true because to everyone else in the room... She's just nuts. You've been invalidated. Yeah, right. you're just nuts. It takes that power completely away. And it, and it goes to the point where... You, it takes that whole woman's argument away in one fellow swoop, and that woman begins to even question herself, am I crazy for right. doing these things, for standing up for myself, for my beliefs, And then like when you're having these, you know, conflicting feelings of feeling like, no, I'm not crazy, and you're trying to stand up for yourself, that's, you whenever, crazier. <laughs> that's whenever you start to get really emotional. Yeah. And whenever you start to get really emotional, and maybe you're yelling you're at this point, or you're crying, and, yeah. then it's just validating to this person that you are crazy, and it's yeah. validating to yourself that maybe you are crazy. And it also crazy. absolves men from a lot of responsibility. Absolutely. It by, really does. By John Bobbitt saying that she was crazy, it makes... Yeah, I don't know. Bitch was nuts. Yeah, bitch. What do you want me to tell you? She was crazy. Yeah. She wouldn't leave me alone. She was this she was that like that that absolves him from any response from anything that he did yeah. that maybe pushed her there exactly um okay so let's and rewind I, let's just say i don't think lorena baba is crazy at all oh i don't either um so let's rewind the clock all the way back let's do so it let's go all the way back to the fourth century bc shall we um there, there. there was this belief in the 4th century BC that women could be afflicted. This is kind of the first time we see the word hysteria. Yes. So hysteria today is actually Greek for uterus. Yeah. That is how I, closely... I, yeah, I read it was Latin for the womb. Yeah, that's how closely it is yeah. tied to um, That's women. why we call it a hysterectomy. Yeah, hysterectomy. When you have your... But think about, so everyone who's listening, like, think about the word hysterical and what that evokes for you. Almost always, first of all, you're picturing a woman, but also you're picturing somebody who is unhinged. uh, Unhinged. Yeah. And it is that closely associated with womanhood that it is the word for uterus or womb. Um, Hysteria results in symptoms such as fainting, insomnia, 
vaginal lubrication and general troublemaking. I'm which fucking I just hysterical. Fucking love. Why am I so like? Wet? I'm fucking horny, and I believe I want to cause some trouble. Like, let's yeah. get into some fucking trouble. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I have written strong sexual desire, emotional outbursts, fainting, any sort of women be fainting. You difficult, know, difficult, and men pass out. Women faint. You know what I mean? And it's any difficult behavior. And this was believed to be a legit legitimate female mental disorder. Right. Like, yes. this wasn't just like, oh, she's hysterical. No, this was like a legitimate thing. And I, I can't remember who said it, so please don't come at me in my mentions um, if I get this wrong. But I think it was like Hippocrates or somebody who first started talking about hysteria. Uh, and he basically described a woman's uterus as like a a animal, like a squirrel that was trying to get out of her body that, like, you needed to put a baby in it in order for her to calm the fuck down. Um, so... Um, have you ever gotten a woman pregnant? Because that doesn't I don't calm think a that woman down. helps things. <laughs> but, you know, old-timey science. So basically any woman who wasn't behaving correctly mm-hmm. or just didn't want to follow the rules and was sexually stimulated for whatever reason uh, was labeled All as hysterical. <laughs> I mean, every person. Like, that's the thing. Unless you're asexual, but it, yes. Unless you're asexual. But, <laughs> but like, then you could still faint or go against or the have gender an, norms. Or have or, an emotional reaction to something yeah. that maybe is above and beyond what people deem to be acceptable. Yeah. So this guy Gary Nunn wrote for The Guardian saying... That it was a condition thought to be exclusive to women, sending them uncontrollably and neurologically insane owing to a dysfunction of the uterus, like you said. So it's like, there is something, that uterus in us is making us fucking nuts. Bananas. So we gotta take it out and give you a hysterectomy. Yeah. No thanks, I'm good. So I actually thought that the the word loony and yes, lunacy, lunacy was that interesting one's fascinating. too. Because... The word lunacy is a monthly periodic insanity believed to be triggered by the moon's cycle. Sound familiar? Our periods. Menstruation, ever heard of it? (laughs) (laughs) God, I fucking love you tonight so much. God damn. So the height of hysteria diagnosis uh, that I read was in the 1850s, which just so happened to be the time that the women's rights movement was starting to gain some there's, speed. There's actually something really fascinating about th- where you can kind of see peaks and valleys. Yeah. So whenever hysteria in the 20th century was at an all-time high, was in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Uh, whenever kind of, or not even, sorry, it was before that. It was yeah. in like, It'd be the, like the 19th century, the, 1850s. The 1850s or so, yeah. The late uh, 1800s, whenever the women's movement was kind of taking off the first yeah. wave. And then, you know, you see that hysteria kind of die down, and then you see it spike again, where searches... They're burning their bras! For crazy women, the phrase crazy woman or crazy women, it spikes in the 1950s and 60s whenever the second wave starts to kind of gain some momentum. So anytime women are like, we're about to be liberated, men lose their shit and they're like, no, 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 these women are crazy. Yeah, so this therapist author named Amber Madison says women demanding equality was a pesky problem and hysteria was a brilliant answer. Hysteria asked don't these high maintenance women see they're too irrational to do things like own property, control finances, get a college degree, or cast a vote? It framed female emotional instability as a biological 
Yes. And if we go back to kind of Gary Nunn in that Guardian piece, he was talking about, you know, the etymology of these words. So as we have already kind of said with crazy and hysterical and lunacy, um, he said that they have cemented a polarization of the female and male mental states, men being historically associated with rationality, straightforwardness, and logic, women with unpredictable emotions, outbursts, and madness. Yeah, I um, I would love to kind of get into uh, women in power a little bit and how those words affect and this um, is another see people it's another reason why i wanted to talk about this now is because we are ramping up for the 2020 election where a lot of women are wanting to be a involved. lot of women are running and we're already seeing it the the language yeah it might not always be crazy or hysterical although i'm sure we will see some of that but other like very um gendered language yeah. like shrill yeah. will come up a lot um you know nagging these yeah. words that are traditionally linked to women and and crazy and hysterical are definitely some of those definitely women there's cannot been other, there's been other words that have like you said evolved that li- mean the same thing donald trump can act like a literal baby. man baby yeah and people will have one way of looking at it whereas if hillary clinton were to have done the exact same thing yep. she i mean granted donald trump's not a good example because <clears throat> he is a man baby yeah. but if women show any amount of emotion, it is deemed to be unstable in some right. way. Right. Well, there's actually something called the Hillary factor, which was coined by Deborah Tannen, who's a Georgetown University, I believe, linguistics professor. Mm-hmm. And it, she calls it the double binds that affect unfeminine female leaders. Um, so let's kind of go through a little bit when we talk about powerful women. Women tend to walk a fine line between being powerful enough to be taken seriously, but not so powerful that they're criticized. Or intimidating in or any intimidating. way. Or intimidating, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. So, um... Presentation of a powerful woman in the media will often take an emotional slant, where if a man had done it, it wouldn't be so scrutinized. Yes. It's like they're very much under a microscope with every little microaggression or word or reaction that they have um, is very scrutinized in a very gendered way. Well, Hillary, during the 2016 presidential election, she was being scrutinized for being sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, she had a cold, and people were like, she's weak! Yeah, I know, <laughs> like, I know! They pounced on that like she had some kind of weakness rather than just being an average human being who, who was under sick. a lot... And who was under a lot of fucking yeah. stress, Agreed. dude. Yeah. So, Hillary Clinton's laugh was often described as a cackle. Right. Um, and after shouting at a Senate committee hearing, the New York Post ran the headline, No Wonder Bill's Afraid. Oh, my God. Yeah. So in 2008, and I got this from a Cosmopolitan epi- um, episode, article. In 2008, a woman asked John McCain, how do we beat the bitch? <sighs> Everyone starts laughing. McCain responds, that's an excellent question. Oh, God. So language reflects the cultural beliefs of a particular moment in time. And again, this is Deborah Tannen who said that. And um, by calling her a bitch or even referring to as Hillary, just by her first name, tells us how we perceive women in power, which is something that I never even really thought about by just referring to her as Hillary. And it's something that we always do. I mean, think about who's running right now. Yeah. We either refer to them as their first name or we refer to them as both of their names. Yeah. Whereas with... Others, you refer to Bush as Bush. You refer to Obama as Obama. You refer to Trump as Trump. Yeah. We refer to Hillary as Hillary. It's a weird familiarity. Kamala as Kamala. And even with the others, 
I don't think I've ever called Elizabeth Warren Warren no. ever. You know, I also don't call her Elizabeth. But I call her Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. I use both of her names, mm-hmm. you know, and it is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. And there was a few other um, examples in these articles that I was reading of other women in power. Um, Hattie or sorry, Harriet Harman was dubbed Mad Hattie thanks to Boris Johnson. And they also said she doesn't just talk. She raves. Yeah. <clears throat> Language is so important. Yeah. I think that that's something to keep in mind. It is. And there's a lot of familiarities, um, or similarities, rather. There's a lot of similarities between uh, this episode, when I was researching this episode, and when we were doing research for our witch episode. Very much so. It's any, a witch hunt. It, it's any woman who is expressing herself. Yeah. And so if we want to kind of continue down this path of hysteria... It kind of moves us into the early 1900s or the Victorian era, the late 1800s into the 1900s, um, whenever men could literally have their wives. And I think that this happened probably up and up and through the 20th century, where men could have their wives institutionalized, institutionalized yeah. for being hysterical yeah or unstable well yeah and i mean i there's this guy matthew zadowski who is a phd and he says by saying emotional is a term to label women who you just don't want to have a voice in a situation or you just don't want to deal with yeah you know when women were doing something that um men would find distasteful or uh, not in line with what they believed or wanted from their wife or girlfriend they could easily just admit her Right. And so you have people like um, Charles Dickens wrote whenever he went to visit St. Louis Insane Asylum. He commented on how insanity is obviously more prevalent in women because there are more women locked up in the insane asylum. When in reality, it was such a comment on society at that time. Not only could men institutionalize their wives... Uh, if they just didn't want to deal with them. But even if maybe they weren't monsters who just didn't want to deal with their wives, this notion that women who were emotional or spoke their mind were insane was so prevalent not only among men but also among the women themselves Mm -hmm. that they may not have been monsters wanting to lock their wives away. They probably actually believed there was something wrong with them that needed to be fixed. Well, and then we can even go into, very briefly, I mean, I just think about... Um, the women who were gay. You know what I mean? Like, that is something that was, you know, they were going outside the societal norms. They were institutionalized all the time because the way they thought did not line up with society's standards of how women should be. And also, if we want to, you know, dive even deeper into it, of course there were more women in these institutions, also because they were legally powerless much of the time and held very little economic standing in... The in society to be able to prevent themselves from ending up in a situation like that, yeah. whereas most other like men in society would have more power to be able to stop and that I, from happening. And I happening. feel like the, you know when it comes to men being in institutions as well, because their behavior is read differently, I feel like it's a bit of a different experience. There are people, there right. are a lot of people who uh, at that time would go into. 
um, an insane asylum, for lack of a better words, and and they would be driven insane. Like it's of course it is a horrible. It's the ultimate gaslight <laughs> living situation where men, I think, in general, were probably treated a lot differently. Their opinions mattered more. Their voices were probably more heard. Well, even today, and, and I think their actions were validated more yes. than women's actions were validated Absolutely. as well. I mean, even today, looking at just strict medical diagnoses, yeah. not just. Um, sorry, they're all medical diagnoses, but yeah. physical, you know, maladies and yeah. issues, pains that women will say that they are experiencing, they are taken less seriously well, did than you, their male counterparts. Did you read about the study at Rice University about I don't heart think disease? So. Okay, so there was this, it wasn't Rice University. So there was this study, and I don't know where in my notes it is, but it was like this heart disease study where they basically had men and women go in. They had some of them acting very anxious. They had some of them acting very calm, both men and and women, um, describing their symptoms to doctors. And very often women, because they say that heart disease is more prevalent in women than in men with certain diagnoses. The or sorry, they're more prevalent with men than women yes. with diagnoses yeah. because the doctors were taking the the man's symptoms more seriously. Mm-hmm. Whether he be anxious, whether he be calm, yes. he was he was uh, really listening to what he had to say. Where with women, it it just seemed more again hysterical. It didn't like, right. They, calm down, just calm down. You're exactly. fine, especially yeah. when they were acting anxious. But even if they were acting just very rationally mm-hmm. and explaining their symptoms, doctors were less likely to believe. Right, them. women's pain has been proved. And I wish I had, like, studies in front of me right now, but, like, women's pain has been proven to be taken less seriously amongst doctors. Which is doctors. bullshit, because we go through so much fucking pain in life. Right. I'm one of those people where, like, if I am driven to tears because I am in pain, mm-hmm. you know it's bad. Right. Like, I right. deal with awful cramps every month. I deal with... I've got have had fucking kidney stones. You know what I mean? Like, who, who if was I'm it? driven I, to tears, I'm. It's it, not good. Yeah, listen, dudes. I, I don't know how many dude dudes. listeners we actually have. Our it's interesting if you look at our analytics. Like, we do have some male listeners. If you're a male listener, write into us because I want to know. Um, but it it is one of those things, dudes. I want you to know. I think Michelle Wolf had a bit in her stand-up where she talks about how there is a woman in your office right now whose body is, like, actually tearing itself apart, and she's in insane pain, and she's reaching her hand out and shaking your hand and saying she's fine. because in a, that In a pencil skirt and heels. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and because that is women's day-to-day life. If yeah. your world doesn't stop because you are in crippling physical pain, yeah. and you still have to show up to work with yeah. a smile on and, and there, go to that meeting. Yeah, and there is that whole like stereotype of like men and women getting a cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's and like, it is a gendered stereotype, but it exists for a reason. I mean, come on. I've experienced it a lot. I'm not saying every man is like this, but man, my ex, when he was sick, I would have Baby. to like bring him medicine on a silver platter and like place it in his hand. Here's some water. Take your medicine. Where for me, I'm like, I'm going to get up, go to the pharmacy, go to the doctor, do yeah, this it, shit. If I'm down and out, like, it's fucking bad. If yeah. I'm down and out, trust I'm in pain. Yeah. Like, in real pain. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it is an, it's an interesting thing, and I do think it's deeply rooted in that women just aren't to be taken seriously mm-hmm. because we're hyper-emotional. Yeah. And so we're obviously over-dramatizing whatever is happening. Yeah. We're being over-dramatic. Yeah, and we can't have this episode without discussing the fact that our periods, our menstruation... Oh, God. Well, thrown uh, in our face. Thrown in our face. Constantly. She can't be president. What is she going to do when she's on her period? Start a nuclear war? Like, Oh, my God. It's just so ridiculous. It's like, yes, there are moments when I'm on my period where I am more emotional, where I am, you know, I have some PMS, but I'm not going to do some, I'm not going to go fucking kill somebody or like do anything so crazy. And by the way, that's that's, that's just being human. Like men are going to have similar times of emotional difficulty. Didn't we talk about that where like men have like a long time ago? Yes, I think so. Like where men have like waves of like PMS Right, they go through ups and downs emotionally um, that are linked to other things, not directly to their menstruation. But uh, that whole argument is right, but you know, not linked to menstruation the (laughs) way that women like to their menstruation. I'm like, but if a dude bled out of their dicks, they would lose their shit. Gross. (laughs) It's a really gross thought. You've never thought about that? No. Dude, guys would lose their shit. Girls are like, Oh, I mean, I've I've definitely thought about if men had periods, how Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just saying it in a more Oh, I think that men should I've said this. They have those machines that you can like hook men up to so that they can feel period cramps. I think there should be blood coming out. Like there should be like little blood capsules where you have to deal with did I bleed myself? You know, like Yeah, but for me, I would bleed, we're moving into, like, a a period discussion, but, like, I would bleed for a solid week straight Mm -hmm. if I didn't have to be in pain. Mm -hmm. I think that men, boys, who are in, like, middle school, the same way that, like, you have to carry around a fake baby for a week, Mm -hmm. I think that boys should have to be hooked up to those machines. Agreed. To feel how painful it is when you have bad cramps. Yep. Like, you should have to be hooked up to it. We'll see how long it takes before you tap the fuck out. Yeah, have, like, men have just, like, a contraption around their balls and just, like, squeezes every once in a while. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, anyway. Anywho's <laughs> Back to the but our, subject but our, at hand. Well, yeah, but our periods so much are, are related to our hysteria. You know, it's that... Quote-unquote hysteria, uh, Exactly. Yes. Like, it's when we are behaving somewhat... Out of the ordinary. She's got to be on the rag. What do you? What do you know? That episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes, yes, I know exactly he, what you're talking about. Deborah has her period, and Raymond goes and gets her like my doll or something, some pills. Nothing on she, here for bitchy, right, Ray? I just like it's silent. And then she goes, "There's nothing on here for bitch." <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. And he's like, "I thought I was helping you." He's such an idiot. She. He's such an idiot. But, I mean, she's also villainized a lot in that show. Well, I mean, but... that show's an interesting case study. I think we could do, again, we could do an entire episode and should because it would be very fun fave. on Everybody Loves Raymond because I love that show. Me Anthony too. and I, it's one of the shows that we put on, like, late at night whenever we're just, like, winding down and yeah. going to sleep. But that show did a lot to perpetuate the idea of the nagging housewife and the man-child husband, and that this is just something normal and to be expected. It is very much a sitcom archetype. And I think that, and I again, I think that all ties into the crazy, hysterical woman that, you know, like, these women can't be lived with. And actually, the takeaway from that episode, even though Ray is a fucking idiot in that episode, the, the takeaway by the end is that 
she was on her period. She's on her when she's on her period, she's mean yeah. and completely off the rails and crazy. Yeah. And that that is kind of the point that's made at the end of that episode. Yeah, in turn, that just made me think of an episode of Modern Family where <clears throat> all the girls have their periods at the same time and uh the dad, Phil Dumphy, and their son are both like, Oh my god, how did this happen? And they're freaking out all day when it just turns out they just want to be heard. They just want to be loved. You know, it's like they're just feeling a little bit more sensitive lately. That's than, a better know. takeaway. Exactly. It's like instead of treating it like it's this monster where it takes over your wife or your child or your friend's body, it's more of just like maybe they just need a little extra care right now. Which yeah. I don't think that makes somebody crazy no. or hysterical. Agreed. We are allowed to feel those emotions. And for me, when I get my period, like a week before, I, I'm crying. I do have a very emotional reaction. And as soon as I get, I get my period... I pissed about every little fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, and then when I get my period, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I feel better now. I feel mm-hmm. better. Hey, Madigan. Hey, Keegan. Have you ever been called boy crazy? Uh, yeah. I, I, I refer to myself as a child as boy crazy a lot. They used to call me boy crazy when I was a child, and it was something that, like, made me feel very self-conscious. Uh, I was, but I was like, no one can know. I mean, nobody really called me that when I was younger. It's more of a term for myself because I was obsessed with the idea of having a boyfriend. I was a crush slut. Yeah, I had crushes on everybody. I had a crush on this kid, Peter Odney. If you're listening to this, I had a crush on you (laughs) for like... So many years. First I will never and last name. I will never forget you. That's funny. Um, and but like you know, there were tons in between. But I was just obsessed with the idea of like. So was I. Yeah. So was I. But no, I think that there's something problematic about that as well. But that also kind of brings up where a lot of times we call ourselves crazy or boy crazy or the crazy ex-girlfriend to kind of uh, be like the cool chick. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I it takes that power away from someone else calling us boy crazy or crazy ex-girlfriend when we own it ourselves. Yeah. Well, and I thought that the um, the phrase boy crazy... I thought that the history behind that was kind of interesting. So, tell me about it. The phrase "boy crazy" kind of came about uh, as the popularity of male pop stars kind of rose. Yeah, there was a thing that happened in the 1940s. There was this stampede, is what they called it, kind of like in the news, where all of these teen girls chased Frank Sinatra through Times Square. Well, yeah. So it started kind of with Frank Sinatra, where they all chased him through Times Square. And the paper actually called it mass hysteria. Yeah. But these teen girls, it was like this case of mass hysteria. I mean, with Beatlemania, women were peeing themselves. Well, women were fainting, screaming. Yeah. So, yeah, then it moved on in the 1950s to Elvis, and then, of course, Beatlemania. And One Direction, I, Backstreet Boys. Constant, Leonardo DiCaprio, not a pop star, but kind of same thing. Yeah. People were banging on walls. Um, and... Obviously, none of those things seem to be flattering, but I found it interesting that there was a take that some have speculated that this display, perhaps like subconsciously, especially in the 40s, 50s, 60s, was kind of a protest against sexual repressiveness and the double standard of teen girls. They weren't allowed to be act like outwardly sexual expressive, yeah. and expressive in the way that boys were. So it manifested in this like, um, hysteria like yeah. <laughs> for yeah. lack of I mean it's just a better word because like when you think when I think of like a man who really really loves a certain celebrity or things like that stalkers it's like, they're stalkers yeah that's legit what I think of or or I think of like the young boy with the poster on their wall you know but it doesn't like, seem like there is an equivalent to young 
women having this kind of response well, to and teen I, male celebrities. I think that men and women have different sexual responses when we're young to a lot of things, Perhaps. too. I think that men have a better understanding of what a sexual release is, for lack of a better term. Sure. And women, women just get do. over-fucking-whelmed. Women don't know what to do with it. It's just, it's not explained to well, us. We, it's we not weren't understood. taught. We weren't taught That's what, what I'm to saying. Do it's it. not understood. Yeah. So for us, it's like, we're going to start screaming and peeing ourselves. What else are we supposed to do? Where's the outlet supposed to go? <laughs> yeah, we don't understand our feelings. Like, no, we don't understand it. And there's this, like, and and women tend to also start going through puberty much younger than boys do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're you're still a child, and you're feeling all these things you don't understand, and you're excited, and you're in love, you think. So it's like, of course, there's going to be these feelings that you're not handling. And conflating... Like a mature adult woman. Conflating obsession and love or infatuation and love, I think. It's common for every young person, like male or female, but I think that there is something particular about young girlhood and the way that we have been taught to conflate those concepts. Yeah. Um, I think that that is kind of interesting. So when when you were called, like, boy crazy, I had... I had a dentist... Oh, I don't like this already. <laughs> Why the fuck is your dentist commenting on your sexuality in any way? So, when I was young, quick story time with Madigan. When I was young, I have really large teeth. You do have big teeth. I have huge teeth. Imagine these. I lost all my baby teeth before I was seven. I wish I had bigger teeth. Imagine. No, you don't. Imagine <laughs> these big ass teeth on a like three foot five little Madigan. It's a lot of teeth. With a gap so large between my teeth that I could stick my pinky between the bottom. My teeth were horrendous. So I would go to the dentist, and this guy, this is the song he would sing to me every time. I don't time. like it already. I don't like it. What is it? Maddie is as pretty as a squirrel. She has big buck teeth like a beaver. She brings her boyfriend to the dentist every day just so he can see her. Ew! Ew! Yeah. You're a grown fucking man. Yeah, as he's, like, drilling my teeth, because I have cavities that crazy. My teeth are awful. He's, like, drilling my teeth. I have permanent scars in the roof of my mouth from this motherfucker. And I would be like, I don't have a boyfriend! Like, that pissed me off. When it was the whole, like, who's your boyfriend kind of thing. I well, was young. Well, you need to discuss, like... There's something very unsettling to me about trying to make, like couple culture cute for kids like yeah. in northwest there was this whole thing where, i was like, just gonna say she's that she's booed up for valentine's day yeah some fucking kindergartner bought her a tiffany's necklace and yeah she bought him a gift and then she's like my boyfriend i'm like you're five and mm-hmm. this is weird to be sexualizing five-year-olds it's fucking weird um so that's my horror story of the dentist that I went to as a child. And, like, I, I remember as soon as I told my mom, like, how uncomfortable I was with him, she's like, yeah, we're fucking out of here. That's so gross. Uh, let's talk about examples of crazy women in film. Let's do it. So, crazy women in movies. What do you think of when you think of a woman who is very dramatic or overwhelmed in, like, an old, even silent movie era? What do they do? 
They faint. They put their hand to their head and they fall back. Wh- onto women the bed. be fainting. Think about every Disney movie, every Disney princess who throws herself onto the bed and sobs uncontrollably. No, I mean, yeah, all women are fucking way over emotional <laughs> in film. But something that I found to be interesting is like, so let's take a couple of examples of quote unquote crazy women in film. Let's talk about um, have you ever seen Fatal Attraction? No, but I did read about that in an article. Okay, so there's Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction, and have you ever seen Wedding Crashers? Yes. Isla Fisher in Wedding Crashers. Two women who are seemingly pretty normal on the surface, have their shit together, but they love sex. Yep. They fucking love sex. And that makes them crazy. Yeah. They go crazy, like, as soon as they fucking get that D, right? Like, immediately they go insane. Um, and I, really, I'm serious. I know, I so know. It's probably what that guy thought about me. He's like, God, I give it to her once, and she's, like, fucking crazy. Oh, oh my God, I thought you were talking about your dentist. <laughs> I was so grossed out for a second. I'm like, you really nonchalantly threw that in there. <laughs> Oh, God, that would be a big reveal. I would not say that so flippantly. No, my dentist never... Never mind. Never, never mind. mind. Yes, we're no, talking about your yeah. ex-boyfriend. My okay. Ex, my, well, not even boyfriend, guy who got into my pants. Yes, okay. And then left. Um, but, yeah, I think that there's an interesting correlation, not only between um, crazy women and their sexual promiscuity, but also what that says to men, mm-hmm. because when you hear men talking about their crazy ex-girlfriends yeah. or like, that bitch is crazy, so I want to sleep with her. Or the opposite. But I don't want to date her. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. she's probably wild. Like, she's, she's probably... I mean, she's going to be a freak in the sheets, but... Yeah, freak in the sheets, but I wouldn't take her home to meet my mom. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times I think that that is kind of what... And I was um, reading something from House of Works where they were talking about this topic. And they were talking about um, the difference between men wanting to date crazy girls because it's kind of like a manic pixie dream girl type situation where she's like, fun, and you can save her, and like all of those things. And women who want to date bad boys. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the way that, like, women wanting to date bad boys is oftentimes, like, the issue is placed on the woman of wanting to, like, save the bad boy Mm -hmm. and still placed on us. Whereas men who want to date crazy women, it's on them being crazy women. It's not on you, like, making a decision. You don't have to necessarily change them. You're going to enjoy the crazy And then dump them and go marry somebody who's got their shit together. Yeah. But I just found that interesting that essentially it's kind of the same thing. Right. But women seem to take the responsibility no matter which side you're on. Right. Well, and and that makes me wonder, too, about the discrepancies between calling someone a crazy ex-girlfriend when I... I have a few instances where I'd be like, that was crazy when it comes to guys. But, like, a crazy ex-boyfriend really isn't a thing where I didn't watch a whole lot of this show. A lot of people say I look like the girl from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, Rachel. I no, that's that's a different show. I was going to say Rachel Brosnahan, but that's... Uh... I wish I looked like her. <laughs> I fucking love her. But, yeah, she she's kind of like a... Like, she moves to L.A. for this guy. She's kind of stalkerish in the Well, beginning. I mean, there you go. There's a whole show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, but, like, if a guy did that, like, one, we were just talking about The Bachelor. 
first yes. of all. So, this girl says, I'm not there with you. I don't love you that way. Like, we're not going to move forward. Deuces. She leaves. He's like, this motherfucker hopped a fence. I'm going to chase after her. I'm going to yada, yada, yada. Imagine if that was the bachelorette. Because I hate that. I'm going to fight for her. Well, because that's the thing. And then that's, those are the words he used. I work on this show at work. So I, I've seen those clips. I work on promos in marketing. And so I've seen that clip of him copying that fucking fence a million times. And that's the verbiage he uses is like, I am going to fight for her. But if and a woman were to do exactly, that. Exactly. Because we have this kind of it like, would be like we have this <sighs> white knight complex with yeah. men where we we quote unquote like want them to save us. Whereas if a woman were to do the same thing where she's like, I'm gonna fight for this relationship, mm. then she's crazy because it's like she already if she jumped a fence and ran. Oh my into god, the are you kidding? Portugal countryside? Are you into the serious? Portuguese wilderness? I know. With dogs barking and Chris Harrison all amok? Where did he come from? Is he just always yeah. sitting in the back waiting for something to go Although, down? can we talk about how, like, impressive it is that Colton didn't even fucking slow down? Like, that no. motherfucker, like... He Terminator walked to that <laughs> fence, hopped over it without breaking a fucking sweat. Eight like foot jump. And then and Chris Harrison gets there and he's like, can you open the gate? <laughs> yeah, and then apparently he tried to jump it. Chris Harrison tried to jump it, like, the next day or whatever, and he couldn't do it. No. He's like, I work out with Chris. Like, whatever. And he, like, he couldn't do no. it. Um... But it's but yeah, there's, there's that there's that like double standard. Yeah, there's the archetype of like you know the crazy ex girlfriend. We don't hold the same standards up for like a crazy ex boyfriend when a guy. And I don't know about you, but for me, like if a guy starts doing that whole "I'm gonna fight for you, I'm not gonna leave you alone" kind of thing, it's I'm scary. Like, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. It's possessive. It's incredibly frightening. Yeah. But with a girl, it's almost like exciting. It's a story to tell your guys. You know what I mean? Oh my, let me tell Un- you about crazy. Until you're ready. Yeah. Until you're ready to get rid of her. And then yeah. you're like, this bitch was so crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, because, if, and again, it takes all, it takes all the responsibility off absolutely. that man too, because it's also like when we are called crazy, a lot of times it is because we are showing our true emotions or being emotional about something. Being honest. And being honest. Yeah. And by completely... Dismissing that. Dismissing everything she has to say and just telling your guy friend that she's crazy, you're taking away all the responsibility of yourself for maybe what led her to feel that way. Right, exactly. Maybe that woman mm-hmm. has had things... I know for me... I, I hold things in a lot with relationships, and I'm better at doing not doing that now, but it's like, it's not worth it to bring this up, and then something happens, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's all That's out. That's why I don't do that shit anymore. I'm just like, everything is on the table as Same. soon as it happens, because... Same. It, because, yeah, because when that does happen, you might have a legitimate argument, but as soon as you explode... Then you're crazy. Or not even explode. Just have a moment where you go back and you say, right. when you did this, when you did this, there's this... Uh, You've been of, ke- that, that's that gaslighting thing. You've yeah. been keeping a record. That's insane. You're yeah. crazy. There's all these things where then when they're talking to their boys later and they're saying this happened, it's taking all of the responsibility away from them. Like, what happened in that conversation? Like, people always say there's two sides to every story. Right. What happened in that conversation that made that person have such a strong emotional reaction? And there's times where people say it's passionate or there's other things like that. That can be what it is. Right. I, I really hope that our listeners are playing a drinking game where, or maybe I don't hope this because we could be liable for some, some 
hospital bills, but um, where they take a shot every time we say the word crazy because we said <laughs> it probably eight hundred times. Can we already. just call the episode "This is Crazy"? This is crazy. This is crazy. Um, so I do want to touch kind of briefly on because we're moving towards the end of our episode right now. And I do want to talk, though. We've talked a lot about a lot of other things, uh, but I don't want to forget to talk about why the word crazy can be problematic in terms of mental illness. Agreed. So we don't want to just be throwing around this word Uh crazy. (laughs) Yeah. um, Because it can be insensitive to people who actually suffer from a real mental illness. Right. And I feel like it's also something for me where I would be like, well, then I must be crazy when I've dealt with a lot of my mental illness. And what does that say about my mental illness? Exactly. And it makes me feel dehumanized. Yeah. Both being called crazy and calling myself crazy or saying I was crazy or anything like that. It kind of dehumanizes that whole um, experience and situation for me. And I really, and I don't like it a lot of times when somebody either refers to me in the past as being crazy or referring to other people as being crazy mm-hmm. when they are going through something that is a legitimate mental illness. I, I think it can be very ableist yeah. if it's used in that way. And as we said in the beginning of this episode, crazy now, if you Google it, if you look it up in the dictionary, it has a lot of meanings outside of strictly a, you know, mental problem. I mean, context is Key. Context is key. So it's not like every time someone says, that was crazy, that or, that is... I'm crazy for you. Yes. Or anything like or that. Or any of that is necessarily ableist language. But calling someone crazy, especially if you are referring to maybe it's in connection with a mental illness, yeah. is ableist and highly offensive. Um, and I think it is also part of anyone who has dealt with any amount of... If I, I remember getting into fights with my boyfriend at the time whenever I was going through a deep depression or, like, deep anxiety. And being – there's something so much more triggering about being called crazy. Yeah. Whenever – That makes you fucking crazy. Right. Like, it, it, it does. It pushes you. It pushes you so towards the edge whenever, like, you are struggling mentally and someone calls you crazy. Yeah. You know, um, it's completely shattering. so it, it's something to be really, really aware of, yeah. like moving forward when you're talking to people. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, we've used the word crazy a lot in this episode. And I think that, you know, within the context, it's not like we're saying can't say the word. We just said it 5000 times. But it is very important to understand the power of our words in general. Yeah. You know, the power of what we say. And that's why we have all of these linguistics you know, experts who talk about the differences between words that we use between men and women, different words that we use when we're describing different people's experiences. Absolutely. That's important to remember and to be aware of when we are talking to people. Yeah. And how our words can affect those people. Yeah. Words matter. They do. I think that that's kind of the conclusion of this. Um, yeah. And is... I feel like a lot of that even goes into, like, representation in general. When oh, it comes for to sure. Mental illness or sexuality or gender. Like, uh, words in general are so heavy and have so much weight to them that we need to be aware of the language we're using, which is why we really enjoy when people, you know, call us in and tell us when there's certain things that we say that could be harmful to somebody because that's never our intention. And you know what? I would love to hear from listeners. Are there times when you've been called crazy? Yeah. And like what 
what was your reaction to that and how it's did you always respond? gonna it's pretty much either gonna be you leave or you like lash out because it's such it is such a hurtful yeah word. tell me how it made you feel because like I, I I you know I think people need to understand that like and yeah. I think that men especially need to understand that because the, but that's what I'm curious about too like are there men who listen who have experienced that as well. Have they sure. been felt belittled by someone calling them crazy? Yeah, and, and if you have, like, let us know. But I, I do want to say, like, particularly for women, because we've just gone into the entire history of, like, the word lunacy and the word hysteria and the word crazy and, like, where they came from and in the context of womanhood. And so I just want our, our male listeners to understand that even if not on an entirely conscious level... Women feel that. Like, we feel the weight of, like, women being called crazy for generations. I was going to say, there's something inherently in us where it really does. It's it's a low blow. It's a low blow. Yeah. Yeah. So think about that. For something that, like, it might not mean anything to you. And you it. may have even said it in anger or in not meaning it. And in that case, just immediately own up to it and apologize. That's not what you meant. Right, right. You know? Explain what you meant, yeah. you know, but there are better ways of dealing with an emotional situation or an argument yeah. than to go straight to crazy because yeah. that I will make a woman crazy. Yeah, if somebody, if you feel like a woman is acting crazy, instead of just having that blanket term, why don't you discuss with that person how their behavior is making you feel. I feel like yeah. that's it's very classic therapist technique. When you do this, I feel blank. Right. Instead and, of immediately blanketing a situation with you're being crazy. Yeah. Because that takes all the responsibility off of the off of yourself and, and all onto the, the responsibility other onto the other person. And I do want to just touch on really quickly because that just made me think of something. I was at work and um a lot of there's a lot of TVs at my work because I work at ABC and so I was watching The View which I would never do like on the day to day not that there's anything wrong with watching The View but yeah. I just wouldn't usually and one of the women on The View who I don't really recognize but she was talking about how and I think this is a pitfall that women fall into sometimes she was talking about how like you got to show them you care but you got to show them that you're fucking crazy and, like, you're willing to be, like, crazy. You gotta break your own shit so he knows that you can't be, like, messed with. You know? Like, you gotta I know mean, that you're, like... that's the that's the way your relationship works, boo. I agree. Like, I was, like, ooh, that seems, like, not how your relationship should work. I feel like that's not something you should tell but the I, general I, public. But I but do whatever. feel like some women get into this, like, they fall into this thing where they're just, like, you want fucking crazy? Oh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be fucking, fucking crazy. crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and that, that somehow makes them, like, stronger because they're willing to be, like... I'll fly off the... F- I'm not afraid to fly off the fucking handle. I, I you always know? get a chuckle out of, like, in movies when they say things like that. Where they're like, yeah. oh, you think I'm being oh, crazy? Oh, you want crazy? You don't want to see crazy. You haven't seen crazy. Yeah. Like, that shit yeah. I love. Yeah. I love that shit. Yes, but also don't do it. Don't do it. That That's the final word. You, don't do you, that shit. You threaten it. You don't do it. Yeah. Don't. Just don't. But we're yes, rational human beings. If you have stories that you would like to share, we're always open to it. I love that our podcast has become a place um, of community where people can kind of get together and talk about things. So if you want to share any of your experiences with being called crazy and how that made you feel, if you're a male listener who wants to write into us, we would love to hear from some male listeners. Oh, yeah. Um, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also get us on Instagram. You can DM 
DM us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can get us on Twitter. Our Twitter is Yamf Podcast, Y A N F Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a business page and a Facebook group. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there. We love to see that. We love it so much. Yeah. It makes us crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm, <laughs> I, I am crazy for reviews. Crazy, crazy, crazy. That's three more shots y'all have to take. <laughs> All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening this week. I really hope that you enjoyed our third episode for Women's History Month. We're looking forward to one more episode. Uh, thank you so much. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.